This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by Athon Books. Check out the very best in science fiction and fantasy at athonbooks.com. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Sanders, Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Tim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Madeline Henry on the show with me today. She has an amazing new book. It's called The Love Proof, and uh, we're recording this uh, the Friday before Valentine's Day, which is an awesome time to be talking about The Love Proof. And the book has been out for just a couple of days now, and you can grab it wherever you purchase books. Uh, It's available now, and this is a must-have in your to-be-read pile. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. I, they are heartfelt and uh, and I mean them. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we begin each show with the same question. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? OK, that's a fascinating question. Um, it's a it's a little self-indulgent for me because um, I'm so happy to talk about it and I never as, get as, asked. It be, as it should be. And okay. it's not self-indulgent if I ask it. Oh, that's true. OK. Um, So I have always been obsessed and fascinated with language. And I, when I was nine years old, um, I wrote poems uh, as often as I could, and I compiled them into books. And so I would say, and then I would give these books out to my family. And I just remember writing on my typewriter in my room, these poems to go into my poetry book. And that evolved in third grade. I started uh, writing little, little, little novels. You couldn't even call them a novella, but, um, and I would just write them during classes and I would read them to my friends. And I just remember, I love making people laugh. And I don't really, the love proof is not a comedy, but I just loved interacting with people through my writing. And then those are two early memories. And then I just became more and more obsessed with it the older I got. I love it. Um, it. Back to that time of writing on the typewriter, um, what a visceral experience writing on a typewriter is. And I, I think that that's something that that a lot of new writers uh, in, in this generation are are, are missing. The, the feeling of, you know, pounding those keys, feeling the 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 machine vibrating under your fingers and, you know, immediately it, it what you hit is on the page. and that, that's mm. kind of a different thing from from writing in a word processor sometimes. That's a fascinating point, because when you're working with a typewriter, you're the most active thing about that experience is your own mind and your right. own internal state and the invisible thing inside you that you're expressing. And then when you get to a computer, you're competing. You, what's inside is competing with the things that are coming at you, demanding for your attention. And so it's. It's uh, it takes away from the growth of the story inside you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you you would um, create these books, bind them, and uh, you know it. it I, I love that because that that is you know when you, when you have a kid that does that, they they understand that the the vehicle of the book is a uh, is a special thing. And um, do, do you remember? Uh, was there ever a time where you had sort of this awakening or um, this knowing? that that someone created these books you know when you're little you kind of think mm. that that books are ethereal and they just kind of show up out of nowhere and then one day you realize that a person wrote this and then you know there were other people involved in the publishing and the binding of the book and and this and if these people can do that then i can do that you know it's sort of it's, it's sort of a doorway that opens in a way that's fascinating i think that i loved the binding and the paper it's a very tangible aspect yeah. to what until then had been very intangible and internal. And suddenly it's real. You can touch it. You can see it. And there's something really um, brilliant and amazing about creating something that is then real that was inside you. And I think that I understood that at an early age. And to the point of when did I realize that there was a soul behind those words making them? That didn't come until much later as an adult. And now I look at books as windows into other people's experiences. And no, it's people write because they love it. Um, it's a really hard path in a lot of ways. And so it's, it's a, people who have taken a lot of risks in their own life to express something that means something to them. And I, I really appreciate those uh, as an adult. So as a kid who was fascinated with stories and with creating stories, then your natural progression is to wind up in finance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what, I mean, what led you down that path? Yeah. So great question. And I think um, there are realities of life that uh, everyone faces. And uh, one of those is you enter the real world after college and you have to take care of yourself. And um, I always wanted to be an author, but I was not when I was job hunting. And um, something I went to Yale, 50% of the class goes into finance or consulting. It's um, really a mainstream road. And uh, you see people going to their interviews on campus. It's part of the culture. It's uh, the firms come to campus. They introduce this idea to you. And when you need to uh, pay rent, uh, you do what you need to do. So that's how I ended up in finance. But I didn't give up on the writing dream. And I wrote my first novel while I was an investment banker. And um, that came out a couple of years ago. The Love Proof, which came out this week, is my second book. So that's that's kind of fascinating to me because a lot of times the focus shifts um, a, away from writing and storytelling, and and will later come back to you. You know, as as you accomplish things and and life gets to a certain stage, you, you start reflecting on the and then that desire comes back. But are are you saying that? that it never left you? This was always uh, a, a goal in mind that, uh, you know, I'm going to pursue this while doing this other thing? I think the dream never really died. I don't think I ever did anything half-heartedly um, at the same time. So I'm a very honest, authentic person. And so when I was working in finance, I did try. I did do my best. Um, I did treat the people I worked with with respect. And at the same time, I had I knew what I really wanted to do. It's just it's so hard to uh, make it a reality. And I just worked at it for as long as I could until, you know, there there was a publisher who said, yes, not only do you think you're a writer, we think you're a writer. So um, that's 
the story. That's awesome. So that first book that that you published, Breathe In, Cash Out, um, was that the the first novel that you had written? Okay, that is a really great question because no, <laughs> not at all. Um, so I, senior, I didn't figure so. <laughs> okay, um, so senior year of college, I uh, email. It was the start of the year. And I thought it was my last chance to get a novel published before I was an investment banker because I had a full-time job waiting for me. So I emailed the head of the Yale English department and I said, hey, can I write a novel for credit? And he said, yes, uh, not something that had been done before, but uh, I worked one-on-one with a member of the faculty. We met uh, once a week and I wrote like 50 to hundred pages every week. And we showed up mm-hmm. and um, by the end of the semester, I did have a novel. And I'd structured my classes so that I only was in class Monday through Wednesday. And then I went home Thursday through Sunday. And I really worked on this book. I really wanted to be an author. And um, at the end of fall semester, I submitted it to agents. um, No response. So I did the whole thing again. Spring semester, submitted it to agents. No response. That's two separate books. And they were science fiction. And they're actually really fascinating premises now that I look back on them. Uh, the first one was a, a city where pleasure was illegal and two people will fall in love. And that's a really cool idea to me now, yeah, but nobody cared about it when I was <laughs> this complete nobody writing about fake things. And then uh, spring semester, it was about a natural disaster causing a loss of electricity throughout America. And when the power comes back on, there's only enough for half. So a wall is built between people who have electricity and people who don't. And um, two people journey from the dark zone into the area of light. So that was the second book. Also, so cool. Um, but Take nobody my else. Money. I want to read both of those. <laughs> but nobody else thought so. So then I go and I'm an investment banker. And by the way, I've like given up my whole senior year to you know try and be an author, and then just a complete failure. So I go, I go to be a banker, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to write like a third book. And it's not going to be science fiction this time. I'm going to write about something people already know about, which was the investment banking world. And that was my first, that was my debut. Um, I was really excited that I finally <laughs> sold it. Um, and so that's, that's the story that it was my third novel. So, so looking back now, um, because that book came out, a lot of people loved it. Then you published the, the Love Proof, which is out this week. Um, but looking back on Breathe In, Cash Out, the the book that launched your publishing career, can you see a difference other than the the obvious genre type stuff between that book and the the two science fiction offerings that you had before that? Can, can is there a line there that you can point to and say, okay, this is this is what I learned that that helped me become a published author? Uh, you know, before that. I didn't quite understand this or that. And then I did understand that. And now I have this book. Was there a, a line like that? Or is it just a, you know, a, a difference in market and just being positioned, uh, you know, at, at the right place at the right time? I think there are some differences other than topic. And one is amount of time. And so it takes a long time to write a book. And it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to take. Otherwise, you might not begin. (laughs) So um, one semester is not enough time. And even when you completely restructure your schedule, it takes a lot of, I believe that writing is thinking, rewriting is thinking, and it's a circle of clarity, of increasing clarity. 
And so you need to write and rewrite and rewrite to become more and more clear about what you're actually, what the actual story is. And so I think that with Breathe In, Cash Out, that was an endeavor that took years. And the novels in college were just, it didn't have a long enough incubation period to get to that next level of clarity, of coherence, and of heart. And I think that um, as I grew older as well, it's another variable. And the older you get, the more you, um, you develop emotionally. And so in these science fiction novels, they're really interesting intellectually, but there wasn't a lot of heart. And I think that that's something that you uh, develop as you get older and you have more experiences. Things um, are more significant to you because you have more at stake. And so I also grew up more. Gotcha. Gotcha. Authors. I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. Well, you know, in in looking at the love proof and then at, at breathe in, uh, cash out as I was preparing for this, I, I was thinking to myself, 
what an uh you know the the difference in in genre is uh is interesting and and i didn't quite understand how you how you went from the first book to the second book and now it makes complete sense um i i totally get it um but do you feel like breathe in cash out was was more of a personal story for you that that there was more of you in in the book than maybe the love proof is um okay i i really appreciate the question and i think the answer is actually no. I think that okay. I put just as much of myself into the love proof as I did for breathe in cash out. I think that I was just in a completely different space. And so when I was writing breathe in cash out, I was a very stressed out investment banker. And I was I had um, a sense of emotional desperation that I was trapped in a path I did not want to be on. And then I sold that book and I started um, the love proof in a completely different life because I quit finance and I was a full-time writer and I had a sense of, uh, freedom and confidence and, um, energy that I had not had before. And so, uh, I think that I was in a very different emotional space and I wasn't, um, my, my goals were different. So I really wanted to write about investment banking because I thought that would appeal to a lot of people who already had this interest in investment banking. And then when I was writing about the love proof, I I really wasn't thinking about audience as much. I just wanted to tell the best possible story that I could. And so that is, I just felt a lot more free and I felt like I could be whimsical and romantic and um, really indulge a lot of these things that I really wanted to write about. Well, Madeline, when uh, when you're doing any amount of reading about you and and looking into your publishing career and all of that stuff, one one thing that that jumps out immediately is you also have a very passionate love for yoga. Uh, when and and how did yoga come into your life, and and how do you feel like that practice and that love of yoga has influenced where you are in your creative journey now? That's a that's a wonderful question. I think that I found yoga while I was working in finance and I loved it because it was the opposite of everything that I was doing. And yoga was a place where I was told to slow down, to be still, to care about how I felt. Um it was a place of kindness and nurturing, and I didn't have that in a very fast-paced, demanding career where basically um, you feel like a cog where your your productivity is being wrung out of you like drops of water out of a damp towel. And it was, um, I loved it for the uh, foil that it was to my life at the time. And I think that it created space in my life, whereas before I was packing things into a schedule, you know, every, you have a free second, what can you use it for? You have a free minute, what can you use it for? Um, and it was really a wonderful oasis. And so I found yoga during that time and I stuck with it and it's been very important for me, um, just as a way to slow down. Gotcha. So do you, do you draw a connection from your discovery of yoga, uh, to the, the wanting to, uh, or or not the, the want to pursue your writing career because that, that was always there, but do you draw a connection between your practice of yoga and your um, ability to to tell the kinds of stories you are now? Or do you feel like it it, it opens up anything 
uh, you know, new to you that, that maybe you didn't have 10 years ago? Absolutely. I think that um, when you're really motivated to accomplish something, you don't create enough space of nothingness for yourself. And I think that when you create a space of nothingness, that's, that's exactly actually what you need to be uh, in a state of relaxation enough to encourage the creativity and to do the things that you want to do. And so I was so um, motivated to be an author. Like I said, it's been my lifelong dream inexplicably, you know, God just said, Hey, Madeline, you're going to want to be an author from like the time you're born and you just, sir, that's your job to figure out how. And so I was really motivated, but I didn't take enough space of stillness and silence to, um, have enough internal space for my mind to fill it with the depth of story, the depth of characters. And so yoga really creates space for you. And it creates slowing down. Um, And I just didn't have that in my life beforehand. You know, I went to Exeter, I went to Yale, I went to Goldman Sachs, and everyone is so obsessed with like, you know, filling their day and filling their schedule. And if, you know, people think you're lazy, if you're not busy constantly. And so you just created space. And then my emotions and mind filled it. Gotcha. after, after breathe in, cash out. Um, how did how did the love proof begin for you? I'm I'm fascinated with the beginnings of of books because at one moment there's nothing there that this book doesn't exist. The characters don't exist, and then either a character walks in, you know, on, on walks onto the stage of your mind, or maybe you read a, a magazine article. And you start contemplating quantum physics or or something, you know, and then all of a sudden these characters populate these thought processes. Um, how, how did this book begin for you? So this book began in uh, right about the time that I was leaving finance. And I was in this time of transition from a very analytical career into a very emotional one. And the journey that Sophie is on is she's a physics prodigy and she's on track to, this is in the love proof, she's on track to unlock the secrets of reality, to understand time. And she goes to college as a physics prodigy and she falls in love. And she goes through a very radical and fascinating transition herself. And so I was drawing from this own transition I was going through. And I use that as fodder for her. And I think that writers are always drawing from their own lives. And uh, so I see I see my experiences in her. There's some some pretty heady concepts that that you deal with in the book. Um, Were there uh, any certain things that you used to to kind of uh, bone up on, uh, you know, some of these physics ideas? and, And, you know, how do you. Uh, you, you talk so effortlessly in the book uh, about some of these things. It, it you know it feels like it comes from uh, a place of of knowledge or uh, something that you're familiar with. That's really nice. Thank you. Um, so I've always been fascinated by scientific concepts and physics concepts. So that's different from computation, which sure. is not as interesting. And so. I um, have always been a big reader and I just went to the library a bunch in high school and before, and I would go down to 
the nonfiction section. Like I can see it in my brain. There are just all these books and it's this beautiful silence. And I'm pulling the books off the shelf and it's Michio Kaku. And then it's um, in, it's like the 500s or 600s. It's uh, about the brain. And I'm just learning, learning, learning. And so I had all of these things that I had learned just because they were interesting to me, you know, earlier in life that I could, that just wove in seamlessly. And I love scientific concepts. So it was easy for me to write about. So when you, when you first started thinking about this idea, um, what were some of the, the big ideas um, that you wanted to explore? Uh, you know, of course, we've, we've, got, we've got Sophie and Jake, uh, who you, you mentioned Sophie a minute ago. Jake is the other, um, kind of the, the other end of, of, of Sophie's pursuit, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but, but what were some of the, the big idea concepts that you wanted to explore in this book? Absolutely. So Sophie arrives at Yale and what she, the mystery she wants to solve is how can we see time? So she's thinking, okay, space and time are fused in a continuum. How can we can see space and we can't see time? And she really wants to be able to see it. And that's, that's a new and interesting question that I hadn't seen anywhere before. And I was interested by it and I thought readers would be. And she is fascinated with the flow of time how it may, how it literally flows faster and slower at different points in the universe. And she's fascinated by the fact that although we feel time pass at a linear rate, maybe time itself is different. And so she's really interested in time and you learn about it through her. And um, then of course she falls in love and she becomes fascinated by love and she has this emotional awakening awakening as a young woman and you watch her mind suddenly kind of fall quiet and her heart uh open up and you you just learn so much if you take a cursory glance uh at at the love proof you may think oh i know where she's going to take this story um i i know you know what the journey of these two characters are going to be and you really take Sophie and put her through the ringer uh, in a lot of ways. Um, was you know, did did you just want to to torture Sophie? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm just a mean person, you know. Um, well, I I think that I love writing about vulnerability, and that's something that I learn more about myself. Is I that feels very real to me, and it feels very honest. And it's a way to foster connection uh, between the reader and the story. And we don't talk enough about vulnerability, but we can write about it and read about it. And it's um, the place of hurt is something that I'm just like honing right now in my writing. I just think it's, it's really fascinating and I love writing about it. So I think it's a very human thing. Um, I think everybody struggles and I just, I just wrote about it in, for Sophie's case. It's not something we talk about, but it's, it's a real struggle and she goes through it. And I hope it resonates with people. Absolutely. Um, for if you look at this book as a, a book about relationships and, uh, you know, romance, even um, it is uh, it, it, it's a very heady pursuit and, and has and, and, you know, now kind of understanding your your background and your love of science fiction, a lot of this makes sense to me now. Um, but also, you know, a lot of science fiction could really use some heart. 
and yeah. uh, it'd get a lot of science fiction writers could learn a lot from uh, authors who write more about relationships and and romance and and things like that. We talk a lot about genre, and um, a, a lot of times uh, we get these these great books that just don't fall exactly into one bucket or the other. And and I understand genre is necessary when you need to find the book that you really want to read in the bookstore, but it doesn't always help. Um, how do you feel about genre and how do you feel about your writing and, and where you fit? And do you think it's fair, you know, to, to classify books purely as one thing or another? Um, I love that question because I've never been asked it before. It was like 12 questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Um, so I think what it is drawing to my mind is that I enjoy a certain level of defying expectations and it's not antagonism and it's not disobedience, but I enjoy a, a sense of independence um, and freedom. And so I see this, um, I'm going to get to your answer. It's a, it's a long answer, uh, but fine. I see this in my character. So um, in my first book, Breathing Cash Out, Allegra is a banker who wants to be a yogi. And if you think about it, yoga is just radical disobedience of the power structure of finance. It's saying, oh, you think money's important? I don't. It's like, oh, you think your your like sense of power in the world is important? I don't. I believe in humility and I believe in kindness. And that's, that's really radically disobedient. And uh, in The Love Proof, you have Sophie and everyone is telling her to be a, um, to use her mind to answer the questions that will advance mankind. And she's saying, oh, okay, you think knowledge is important. I disagree. I think feeling is really important. And so I see this in my characters and I think it comes from me. And you asked me about genre. And what's funny is that when I, I sort of know who hasn't read my book because sometimes people will just say, like, they'll assume it's a romantic comedy. And so like people who haven't read Breathing Cash Out, they'll be like, oh yeah, romantic comedy. And like people who haven't read The Love Proof, sometimes they see it like, in a bookstore, romantic comedy. And I'm like, no, I know you guys want me to write romantic comedy. Like <laughs> I'm a blonde woman and like I do yoga, but these are really serious books if you really think about it. And I enjoy that, like, it's not antagonism, it's not disobedience, but it's defying expectations. And so I, to the extent that I can sort of like assert my soul by being a little bit different and not exactly what you expect, that's, that's what I'm going do so yeah can you categorize it as multiple sure because it's like that's the independent you know soul of the writer coming out love it that's exactly the answer i expected <laughs> you to give um you know they say that if you really want to learn something then you should teach it to someone else that there, there's something that happens in in the sharing of knowledge that that even uh, you know, builds it deeper in the teacher. Um, the same kind of thing happens with novelists. Sometimes you have an idea about something and then the more you write it and, and work on it and and steer your characters or let your characters steer you as, as often happens, um, our ideas or understanding of the topic that we think we know changes and, and things go deeper and uh, we, we are, are better able to explore this thing. Did, did anything like that happen with you in the writing of this book? Did, were there feelings or, or, um, uh, yeah, thoughts, uh, about what you thought you knew about how these characters, you know, would behave. And at the end of the book, now 
it's a different experience for you? Interesting. Um, I think that what that's reminding me of is how when you communicate something, sometimes what comes back to you isn't what you intended. And so uh, in some of the reviews for The Love Proof, I get a lot of feedback that it's a very uh, scientific book, like the things you learn are so interesting. And I, it's funny to me because I really didn't intend it to be a very informative book, even though it is, uh, to me, the heart and soul of it is that it's a very deep and emotional love story. And everything that you learn is through Sophie's quest to understand her connection to another person better. Um, and so that it relates to teaching because I, I, it's teaching us to do with like transferring information. So I transfer the story out to the world and what I get back is, Oh, like I learned so much. It's so uh, intellectually stimulating. And it's funny because I really just wanted to write about how this one genius, what happens to her journey when she, when she falls in love. So funny. Well, I love it. The book is out everywhere. Now uh, we're going to put links to the love proof in the show notes of this episode. Uh, whether you want it in in uh, you know actual paper or Kindle edition or audiobook, you can grab it now. Um, Madeline, I love this book so much. I'm recommending it to everyone uh, from one Henry to another. Uh, this is an amazing book, and and I love it. Um, is is there a place where people can connect with you online if they want to dig into all the great stuff that you do? Definitely, and I love zooming into book clubs. So if you read the if you read the Love Proof or Breathing Cash out for your book club, and would like me to zoom in for some Q and A, you can contact me through my website. My website is www.itsmadelinehenry.com. Three E's in Madeline, and I'm on Instagram at Madeline Henry Yoga. And I have a Twitter, but like I never use it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely put links to all those places uh, to make it easy for folks to find you. Uh, Madeline, I love the love proof. I'm recommending it to everyone. We're going to send to everyone to see you. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun conversation. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's house. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. The Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, Books 1 through 7. Humanity's Greatest Export, Justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes The Bad Company. The Bad Company, Book 1, Colonel Terry Henry Walton, takes his warriors into battle for a price. In this first installment of The Bad Company... He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of the Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. 
The seven-book series Omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutus Gloria Mercies. Translation, glory is the reward of valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madonna changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Cara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.